We must simply form a successful third party. Oh, yeah. Duh. Simply. If I was a third party, I would simply be electorally viable. I would oh. simply become it, irrelevant. A third party is kind of like a Hufflepuff. No. <laughs> oh, no, no. We're not doing this again. Listen, this is exactly how gangs start. There's somebody who's sitting there on a corner with, with, with their beer and cigarette, and they're like, man, there's too many gangs in this neighborhood. What we need is to form a one big gang that unifies all the gangs and cleans up the streets, which is how you get, like, another fucking gang. Uh, that's how every gang starts. That's why, correct. Like and pylons, but political parties. Exactly. And Rachel, I know you work in web development. Why are there so many web standards? Why are there so many ways to make a video? It's because there's some genius, some brain genius, that gets in a room with other brain geniuses, and they're like, there's too many web video formats. Someone needs to just make one really good one that can unify every video format into one, and then you just have another one. Um, it yes. never works. It's always just more complexity, more of a bummer, and more of a waste of time, which, hey, electoral politics. Welcome to it, folks. Well, I Hooray. have decided to cope by dropping acid, so y'all have about another hour before I'm incoherent. Let's get this over with. <laughs> um, so we're not safe for wonks. We got the whole crew here today. Um, we've been talking about doing this episode for a while, and now is obviously the time, what with Bernie dropping out today. By the time this episode comes out, this will have been a couple days ago, but it'll still be pretty fresh. Um, this is the tactical voting episode. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> We're so hyped. Absolutely. <laughs> um, oh, God. Shout out to my entire Facebook who is collectively posting vote for Biden or we're not friends anymore. I see you. <laughs> well, then no longer you. be friends. You're valid. Um... <laughs> Am I am I the only one who thinks that Marianne Williamson can still win this? Uh, You're not the only one. I gotta check there, your uh, natal. There's chart. a Facebook group. I'm gonna I'm gonna invite you. We're working on it. Milwaukee's gonna be very wild. We're doing a prayer circle. Um, we're gonna meet under the full moon. We're gonna dance naked. It's gonna be incredible. <laughs> we're gonna drop well, us. You're gonna dance. You're gonna dance naked six feet apart. Maybe the aliens. Yes, will exactly. I don't know. Um, yeah, so obviously everyone's feeling a little distraught and confused right now. Even a lot of people that you would, were not necessarily like strongly Bernie. I think there's a lot of people that recognize the fact that Biden is a very weak, shitty candidate, probably just about the weakest candidate that ran other than somebody like John Delaney, who is just like a cartoon character. Um, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. And, uh, you know, we wanted to make this episode to kind of like share our thoughts on what we're going to be doing, what we think might be some of the best courses of action. We're not really going to like demand that you do a certain thing, but just try to provide like a lot of info about things that might help you to make a decision that you can feel good about, about what to do next, because, you know, we're all bummed. Like, I mean, you know, our podcast has been saying for a while that we thought this would be the case. But like Brandon was just saying before we started recording the show, we really thought B Bernie had a chance. You know, we really thought that this could happen. And uh, do you remember sucks. the two weeks between Nevada and Super Tuesday when we were like, we're going to win? Do you remember thinking that? So and why that optimistic. 
that was like well, yeah, two that was months ago. I've never seen you in my entire life. Yeah. Right now, if you're wondering, I'm not experiencing emotions. I was sad and angry after Super Tuesday, and then a little bit more after Michigan and Arizona and whatever other states were happening then. But now I'm just empty. Like, we lost. You know? We're gonna I, die. Within that acceptance is opportunity, Leia. Within mm. the acceptance of our failure is opportunity to try something different, which is what There's I really that. hope we're gonna see instead of a bunch of people doubling down on things that didn't work, won't work, are not going to work, are not working. Please stop doing them. I posted on a different server I'm on that I'm never voting for Democrat ever again, and that anyone who endorses and campaigns for Biden is dead to me. And they said, "No, it's not. You're gonna be, uh, you're gonna be campaigning for AOC 2024 in four years." And I'm like, "Yeah, you're right." I always phone. come back. I, I'm always gonna get suckered back in until the Democratic Party ceases to fucking exist. Well, listen, I, I, I think this is Go ahead, this Brandon. is something. Yeah, this is something that I feel like people didn't. I feel like we gave rhetorical lip service to this idea, but I don't know if everybody gripped with it. Electing Bernie Sanders as president, you were voting to uh, have American society destroyed immediately because there were not going to be any social democratic reforms. Uh, you weren't going to get health care. They weren't going to let everybody out of jail. None of that was going to happen. What you were going to have was a capital strike. Um, you were going to see the, the the people who have kind of held the levers of the economy. They were going to just leave the levers of the economy alone in order to punish this guy for attempting structural change. So you, you voting for Sanders was a vote to uh, immediately confront the system on the deepest and gravest level. Uh, so... To some extent, you can feel relieved because you are le- you you have probably increased your chances of surviving in the immediate future um, b- because uh, the system is going to kind of limp on as it has, um, and that gives you more time to do uh, non-electoral actions that I think that we'll talk about towards the end of the episode. Um, this is kind of why, like, I'm not super bummed about the the election, and I'm also I mean, none of us did the whole. Oh, he's electable if you fucking vote for him. None of us posted that pie <laughs> chart, that stupid pie chart, which showed, oh, well, these many people haven't voted. So if everyone in the world votes for Bernie right now, he can win. Like all I, might, I might have shared one of those, but I definitely shared it knowing it wouldn't make a difference. Right. I mean, if you're doing it cynically and you're just doing it as a tool of motivation, it's fine. But also, yeah. don't be a sucker. Like, don't be a sucker. No, if I you're never listening to this it. show. Yeah, we're not here to I knew lie to you. We all did. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So we're not here to, like, Rachel says, hey, we're propagandists. We're not here to lie to you. Like, we're just here to just fucking be real with you if you're listening to this show. So it yeah. is what it is. Yeah. So- Shit sucks. That's the <laughs> yeah, current right. state of affairs. Let's but get Vanguard into. Party. <laughs> Let's get into the first major topic here. That is going to be a question that people are going to be asking themselves, that people are going to be asking each other in various forms. Uh, is anyone obligated to vote in 2020? Is kind no. of like my answer is no. <laughs> I, I honestly, yeah, I agree. Like, listen, um, 
voting is something that if you force people to do it, they tend to just get further demotivated in politics. They don't tend to be like, oh, wow, everyone peer pressured me into voting for the moderate neolib that I didn't like. And the moderate neolib did a bunch of shitty stuff. And now I'm I'm cool with it. No, like nobody's going to think that. Um, if they don't like the candidates and they vote for one they don't like and that candidate proves them right, then they're just going to be less inspired to engage with electoral politics in the future. And so if, if you don't feel like voting, don't vote. I, I know that this is going to upset some people maybe to, for me to say this, but like we're going to give some arguments moving forward in this episode about like why maybe you should vote and who you should vote for. But to start off, I just want to say that like if you don't feel inspired enough by any of the arguments that you're given and you don't want to vote, that's your choice. It's not the choice I'm going to make, but it's your it's your choice. However, when I say don't vote, I specifically mean don't vote for president, because if you just like jump off the the political boat by not voting, you don't do anything. That's bad. If you don't vote for down ticket candidates, that's bad. If you don't like organize or do something in your community, that's bad. Um, so I wouldn't say like just stay home, but uh, but if you don't feel like voting for the president because this is such a, a, a shitty, paradoxically bad choice that you've been given, that's your call. I think in times like these, I increasingly turn to motivation and political theory in Pat the Bunny lyrics. And so from Of Ballots and Barricades, here's basically my take on it. So vote November 2nd if it feels right to you. Don't vote if you think it just holds us down. Just tell me what you're going to do on November 3rd to make sure there's no government left to elect two years from now. Oh, don't worry. That'll be handled for you. But anyway, <laughs> so let me... let. I'm going to be the unpopular takes guy today, so that'll be fun. Yes, you are obligated to vote. Um, you are obligated to vote for your local um, elections because they determine whether people who get arrested get cash bail or not. Um, they are people who determine if you have a child, how much funding uh, your child has for schools. Um, when you vote, you are determining which neighborhoods uh, get access to food stamps. You are voting on safe housing. You're voting on sales taxes. Um, all of these things have a much more relevant um, effect on your life than whether Joe Biden or Donald Trump is the president. So, yes, you are obligated to vote in terms of finding someone who, who fits your ideological criteria. Ballots in most states are very large. If you cannot find someone who matches your ideology, um, you probably are not looking hard enough especially if you're talking about a vote that's on the national level. Uh, it's very rare to run into somebody who goes, well, the county commissioner, uh, none of them meet my ideology, so I'm sitting this one out. Because there's not a level of radicalization. There's not shit posts. There's not shit to make you mad about that person. It's just like washing your ass. Like You might not feel like doing it, but you should probably just fucking go do it anyway. Um, yeah, you're, if you're intelligent enough to be listening to this and pondering your choices... Um, then you should have taken a civics class and know the impact that local elected officials have on your life. Like, for example, that your state secretary of state determines how long the line is when you go to vote and how many voting poops are open and whether you can vote by mail. And uh, if you live in certain neighborhoods, whether that voting line is going to stretch around the block and people are going to de be demoralized and stay at home. If you're used to living, you know, being in a blue state and you're used to, you know, being able to vote by mail and having democracy dollars and shit. Maybe this shit doesn't appeal to you at all. 
But in most of the country, uh, this is important and is something that you should take seriously. I feel like, yes, you should at least make a cursory effort to stay aware of state and local politics. And you should vote in state and local politics, you know, within reason. I mean, if it's a fucking Republican running unopposed on a starve the children platform, like it doesn't make a difference. And you're correct to feel that way. But I also think, generally speaking, and this is because I have finally become truly blackpilled, electoral politics is a dead end. And I think if you really want to make a difference, yes, state level, yes, local level, but even more importantly than that, levels that exist outside of the electoral strategy. Like start doing real fucking organizing, not just electoral organizing, which ultimately is a reflection of the temperature of the politics of people way more than a determining factor in people's politics. However, I want to say, if you are in that situation where you, you're looking at some local election and there's just some complete shitheel Republican running unopposed, why the fuck did you let that happen in your community? Like, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but like, I, I'm not trying to just call everybody out here or anything, but like, if you are looking at an election like that, then you should be thinking, okay, who do I know that could be running for this office and who do I know that would help support that? Like, I know that electoral politics is not the end all be all. I do agree with Rachel to a large extent, but like, don't let that situation happen to you. Like these offices around you matter and you have the ability to determine who's going to be in them potentially. And if you have unopposed elections in your community that are being filled by shitheels, even if it's an unopposed Democrat, Find somebody who's willing to run as a green against them. You know, find somebody who's willing to run to the left of that and get that person out there so that there's not just one narrative. We can, we're going to talk about outside electoralism later. I think that is a good thing to think about. I mean, listen, there is, there, there is a podcast that will just have anyone on as long as you have at least one friend and at least one take. Um, and they have a lot of charming hosts that will probably squeeze you onto the schedule. Think about it. There's one of them named It's called Red, Red Scare. So hot. yes it is called red scare um they love you they'll have you on just do a racism do a no Mm -hmm. growth Mm -hmm. they'll invite you it's all good (laughs) wow (laughs) um okay so now that we've gotten through like should you vote some opinions about that i think the next question that's on everybody's mind is should anyone consider voting for biden no nope Nope, 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 not at all, not whatsoever. Don't, don't, do not, do not. I will not hear anyone on this fucking podcast say you should vote for Biden in any circumstance. No, I don't think you should vote for Biden. I think you should consider voting for Biden so that when you tell people you're not going to vote for Biden, you have good reasons. But that's just me. <laughs> on the other hand, it, I, I, I am taking solace in that it's going to be very funny to um, tell neoliberals when they're like, well, you got to vote blue no matter who, fall in line, just to tell them no. That is going to be delicious. Oh my God. Just denying them their fucking victory and saying, no, I'm not playing along with your game anymore. Fuck off. Don't be like, no, but you're voting for Trump if you don't vote for Biden. And you're like, I don't give No, you shit. voted for Trump by not voting for Bernie. Fuck you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a better response. But like, oh my God. Just telling these fucking idiots. No, not doing that. 
I mean, I see a couple of uh, reasons why voting for Biden is worthless personally. Um, I don't think he can win, first of all. Like, there's just, come on. Like, let's look at the political realities. I don't want to get too deep into this today, especially because we've talked about it before, and I know we'll talk about it again. But Biden is an extremely non-viable candidate. Um, and uh, this this is just like going to be a shit show. It's going to be John Kerry all over again. And uh, anyone who doesn't see that isn't really looking at the way people vote. It's just that simple. Um, mm -hmm. Also, I mean, there's so many like moral reasons that we could get into why Biden is a questionable choice. But I don't know. It just seems like, like I said, the, the most important thing is that he just can't he can't win. No, so to me, like I don't see a lot of value in it. However, I know that there are going to be people listening that are wondering, am I in a swing state? Is there a chance that wait, I could make no. a difference? Wait, Go wait, ahead, wait, wait. I Go have ahead. to cut you off because we've we've you've only presented one side of this argument. And I would like to I said I was gonna make you guys mad all this hour. You should consider voting for Joe Biden. Um, first of all, you are voting for an American president. Morality is out of the window. Um, the things that an American president do are is beyond any moral pale that can be considered. Um, maybe with the possible exception of Jimmy Carter, uh, and, and I'm pretty sure we could find examples for Carter too, every American president is a war criminal. Every American president uh, is responsible for the deaths of countless people. Um, every American okay. president... But Beyond moral concerns, policy-wise, in terms of what they would do as president, they're, again, functionally the same. Um, but I the Supreme Court! Oh, my it's... fucking God. Biden will well, nominate a Republican. Biden will nominate Mitt Romney to the Supreme Court. Literally, yes. And the only way that the Supreme Court narrative was ever going to have anything for me would have been if Merrick Garland actually made it on the bench and he didn't and the Supreme Court is bullshit and it doesn't fucking matter anyway. Like, fuck it. It is very strange to me that uh, we are putting on problematic SpongeBob voices for a third of the federal government. Uh, I don't think that a third of the federal government should be talked about like this, like it's nothing. Uh, I don't know if you guys have problems getting to polls. I don't know if you guys have problems voting. There's something called the Voting Rights Act that disproportionately affects black and brown people, especially in the South. Um, we also do not know which people are going to live and die over the next four years. Um, right now, the Supreme Court, I think, is uh, pretty firmly five to four. That is something that can possibly change. So um, before we get into things that like a Biden administration might do or might not do, um, the argument of the Supreme Court is something that I'm sure that everybody on the left is exhausted with hearing, but it does not make you being exhausted with it less of a valid argument, nor does it make like triggering the libs uh, worth it if you are somebody who is maybe you're a poor woman who is seeking uh, reproductive health services and you are looking at a court that absolutely will not support those services. I don't think that we should sneer at those things or at those people. Um, I just think that that is kind of gross. Uh, I also yeah, think but on the that. other hand, the Supreme Court is currently considering a case which, if they let it through, would make it legal for me to be fired for being trans. And you're going to lose that case. I know. Yes. And I'm still so, not voting for Biden. Okay. Well, I mean, that's fine. It's good that it's very rare in leftist circles that we see someone who is willing to take an actual material hit to trigger the libs. Um, usually when, when the left talks about signing out of certain politics, it's always other people uh, that suffer for it.
um, and they get to like keep their intellectual honesty and they get to power forward to the revolution and it's other people uh, that get trampled along the way while someone else is building the vanguard in the background. So it's it's good that you are willing to lose your job uh, to, to stuff the libs. What job? But yeah, I get what well, you mean. Right. Lose but, my uh, future you... job prospects. I mean, yeah, I'm fucking disabled and I'm never going to get health care. So like I have I have skin in this game. Yeah, that's fine. Well, listen, there's there's uh, uh, the Supreme Court is such a large topic that we could it could be a whole different episode. But there's stuff like who the attorney general is. Um, there's stuff like red line. I mean, just the attorney general has a very large impact on civil rights. Um, it's also important to remember that um, there's a very large federal bureaucracy and Joe Biden will not be filling all of those seats. Uh, if you are serious about like building and maintaining political power, I know some of you guys are like, well, when I, when, we, when, when I get in charge, the United States will just be abolished. So you guys probably aren't like thinking about the actual ma ma machinations of the federal government, but there are thousands, thousands of positions in the federal government, uh, and probably more than a few of them will go to people who are. I mean, yeah, I don't want to keep us on this for too long. I will just reinforce, if you choose not to vote for Joe Biden, you had better be doing literally everything else. And that's my official take on it. Hmm. So what I was going to say before is that, you know, my personal belief is that Joe Biden can't win. But that doesn't mean that no one should consider voting for him necessarily. Um, and I know that there are going to be a lot of people that are in a state where they feel like maybe their state could help tip the balance. So we've compiled a list of some states that people are talking about as swing states, and we're going to kind of go through our opinions about these states a little bit, just really, really quickly here um, to kind of help you. If you're sitting on the fence of being kind of between uh, Brandon and Leia right now in opinion or something like that, then uh, you know, this might help you feel a little more informed, but uh, we'll see. I don't know. We're doing our best. <laughs> so these are considered by pundits to be the likely closest swing states for 2020. And we'll give some opinions on that. Um, Arizona, Florida, Maine, Michigan, Minnesota, New Hampshire, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. So if any states are going to help decide the fate of this election, it is most likely to be some of these states. I think my take with regards to swing states is, especially if you're in a swing state, vote third party. Don't not vote. Vote third party because it's quantifiable. And it, it fucking it will piss them off and say, you're a spoiler. You voted for a spoiler. You denied us victory. Specifically in swing states, I want to... Do, and uh, I'm in Texas, which is probably not a swing state, with Bernie, it could have been, but not with not with Biden. And I'm I don't know what I will do. It'll probably be a decision I'll make in the booth as to which party that I vote for, because Greens are nowhere near five percent in Texas. But especially my take is that especially if you're in swing states, vote third party to piss them off. See, I feel like exactly the opposite in that case. If you're trying to do a symbolic gesture, I would say better to vote third in, like, pointedly vote third in states that are secure either direction. But you know? is not advocating for a symbolic gesture. Uh, I know, is but what I'm saying is, like, party. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. not that it's, it's not that it's, it's not going to make the difference either way. 
right? And Dino. Saw us with Jill Stein. Jill Stein did not make a difference. Voting third party does not make a difference, really. It's mm -hmm. it is a protest vote functionally if you do it. Um, even if you're saying like, oh no, these are the people that best represent my values and I truly believe in it. Like you're doing it with the hopes that best case scenario, you'll be on the debate stage next year. Like yeah, it's not it's not a winning strategy, right? It's, so no matter what you're doing, there's a degree it. of symbolism here. And if you're going to do it symbolically, I think probably you should do it strictly symbolically. I have to disagree that it's purely symbolic, but I'll get more into that in a second. I really sure. want to stay focused on talking about which people in which states should be thinking of themselves as a swing state. Sure. Um, so before we get into whether or not it's a symbolic gesture, again, the list is Arizona, Florida, Maine, Michigan, Minnesota, New Hampshire, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. I would say that I generally agree that these are all going to be very close races. And that if you live in one of these states, you might want to vote Biden. And that's your choice. Again, it's not something that I'm telling you to do because I have my own reasons I've already given why I don't think Biden is a great choice to vote for. But if you feel like you're in one of these states and you want to have the chance of getting Trump out of office, then these are the states that are going to matter. So, you know, think about your vote that way. I don't know. I guess there is a I, I was scolding everybody for for dismissing arguments just on the basis of being sick of hearing them. But I am sick of hearing about swing states. Uh, I just am just exhausted with that argument. Um, mm -hmm. So. I don't, I don't claim to be better than anybody else. I don't mean, but in a swing state, just vote. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. I mean, at this point, like I said, I'm completely fucking blackpilled, and I think we have virtually no influence over electoral politics at the national scale to begin with. Oh, yeah, so, absolutely. Like, fuck it, do what you want. This was decided based on which media you consumed six mm -hmm. months. I do want to like talk my, about that. My broadest political hopes going forward is that maybe in like four or five years we'll all be in a militia in New Mexico? Oh my gosh! <laughs> Some other states that are being considered swing states, but personally, I don't really believe most of these will swing. Are Colorado, Georgia, Iowa, New Mexico, Nevada, Ohio, Texas, and Virginia? I could get into specific takes on all of them, um, but uh, I that would take way too much time. Um, and, uh, just to kind of summarize, like most of these states are already pretty decided. Like my state, New Mexico is going to go blue. There's really like, no doubt about Texas it. Texas is going blue. to go red. Texas is going to go red. Um, probably the only one that I'm interested in of this secondary list is Colorado. I don't think we know exactly what to expect from Colorado. But... I think Colorado will be a, a blue state and I think it will not be relatively close. I think it'll be fine. Yeah, I pretty much think the same. I'm just saying of this list, if I was going to give one of them, but I honestly think Colorado is going to be blue. Georgia is going to be red, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you already pretty much know if you live in one of these states, you know what the feeling is on the ground of your state yeah. and you can make your call based on that decision. I would not take too seriously some of the talk that uh, these states are actually going to swing personally like they talk of pundits talk about this every cycle and it doesn't happen yes they talk about it every cycle and 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 we talked about this earlier there's always a meeting where the consultants get in the room and they do the map and then they go well uh, kamala harris stacy abrams they could flip G the state of georgia and maybe north carolina and maybe virginia and they always get real and they throw that out and they're like we got to focus on michigan minnesota and pennsylvania you guys already you guys know you've already been through we've been doing this since 2000 mm -hmm. you've been doing this shit for years with a short break for obama who had just such a cross cross coalition appeal that he was a very strong midwest person and hillary clinton just assumed that she was 
going to inherit that. And it turns out that whole blue wall shit was a lie. Um, yeah, you guys know, as Kennedy said, y'all know. And Colorado has way too much gang weed anyway. So they're going to go blue. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, honestly, for Georgia in particular, if anybody was going to flip Georgia, it was going to be Stacey Abrams and it wasn't enough. You know, they will cheat us out of it. There's no fucking point. Georgia's going to go red because they're going to make it as close to structurally and institutionally impossible as they can to disenfranchise blue voters. That's just what's going to happen. As a Georgia resident, uh, this episode, I've, I'm going to be very disdainful of some of the takes that are going to be coming towards the end of the episode about certain non-electoral strategies. But I do want to say the state of Georgia is very likely to remain a red state until a literal, actual, physical uh, people's revolution right. in the state. Um, just because yeah. there is so much naked corruption. I feel like you guys don't understand. Votes just get yeeted into the trash in Georgia. God, um, it's so fucking true. It's infuriating. It is really, it is literally like a third world dictatorship. Yes, um, it is. We have been held under minority rule for literally centuries. Yeah. Uh, like North Carolina was almost as bad and they flipped it. But I don't see that happening in Georgia just because there's way too much institutional. And also because the state house and the state senate are so deeply red that just any kind of bullshit floats through. Um, I definitely would not count on the state of Georgia. And some of, listen, you guys are probably going to listen to some shit like Pod Save America by some fucking nerds named John, three nerds named John in a trench coat pile on each other's shoulders, telling you, oh, Stacey Abrams is going to flip this seat. Um, oh, Kamala Harris might come down here and she'll just have so much pull with black women in Georgia that it'll go flip the state. Listen, we're here. We literally live here. Get over it. Not happening. And we would be saying probably the same thing with Bernie Sanders as the nominee. We're oh, just telling absolutely you, the same thing. We're, like, they won't we're just telling you. Yeah, we're just telling y'all that will not be allowed to happen in this state short of a physical people's revolution in the state which you know whatever hold out hope for that i guess i will give the optimistic take here i live in new mexico new mexico was long considered to be a red state that would pretty much always be red or at best maybe kind of a purple state and we made a rapid change to a blue stronghold that is unlikely to change over anytime soon um we have a mildly progressive governor which is still a lot considering the the history um and a generally like we've everything that could have gone to a democrat in 2018 went to a democrat uh and a lot of people said that this would never happen here for a lot of reasons and some of the same reasons even that you're saying right now so i do want to give people at least the sliver of optimism that like having lived through a a political change um that would would never happen quote unquote um you know if you get out there and organize the way that this got done here was by a lot of people organizing a lot of people coming together and saying you know we gotta run people for these these offices that are good and and make some stuff happen and you know really just changing the voting dynamic of the state and helping people to be represented and that could happen anywhere so I am you know, not, but it takes a lot of work, a lot of fucking work. So if you want that to happen in your state, organize now, today. We agree on the organizing front, but no, honestly, the entrenched power in Georgia in particular is this completely amoral leviathan. And like, it doesn't matter whether red or blue wins, 
the specific families that own and control Georgia are going to be the fucking same. We'll Trust never me, know. It was the same situation here. So that's not really like I'm telling you, we literally live through all of this. I'm going to be I'm going to be as optimistic as humanly possible. And I like 80 percent agree with Rachel, but I'm trying to stir some discussion. So I'll give Kennedy 20 percent of this. <laughs> um, the state is you guys are saying organized in the state listen georgia well the parts of georgia that are open to being organized are pretty tightly organized like we're organized um which is good like and again that's a stacy abrams thing um when we talk about like what stacy abrams value is it's not really as a campaigner it's really as an executive she's a very good executive um it is possible that in a black swan event the state could flip that would involve historical events. We are living through a historical event right now. Um, it would also involve uh, an exceptionally weak Republican nominee, uh, someone that just did not vibe with the state of Georgia. Unfortunately, we have in Georgia, we have like the outside of the state is like Bible thumping, like uh, kind of racist Republicans. Like we, one of yeah. our state they nominees was correct. One of our state nominees was like running around with an AR-14 talking about it's a freedom machine for stopping looters from Atlanta. Like that's that's oh, the God. vibe. Do you remember the governor candidate who was running around with the deportation the bus? Or deportation yep. bus? Like they're gonna just be like, I'm just gonna round up all of the Mexicans and drag them back to Mexico in, in my bus. bus. Like oh my just unbelievable. Like that's, overt horrifying racism. That is and it's the vibe. Totally so, okay. but and and the the suburbs are more of the business Mitt Romney Republicans. So if if there's a candidate that splits those two groups from each other, maybe in 2024 somehow, we're assuming that Trump will will actually step down in 2024. Then maybe there's an opening. We're just being very pessimistic because, like, we do live here. So. Yeah, and I think that is fair. I just also wanted to provide a little bit of a different perspective. But now we need to move on to the next topic. Um, which is what is the purpose of voting third party? We already covered this somewhat, so we're going to keep this really brief. But um, we already kind of discussed that there is a symbolic purpose. But I want to make the case really quickly that there is something beyond a symbolic purpose to voting third party. There is the ability to empower these third parties to do something. You are not going to elect a president by thirding, voting third party anytime soon. Not 2020, not 2024, probably not 2028. But um, there is the ability to give the third parties more power, to give them more voice, to get these people on debate stages, to get people elected to lower office by empowering the parties. And so uh, I think if you're going to vote third party, it's actually in my mind, it's less important to pick the person that you symbolically align most with ideologically and more to pick the party that you think can actually maybe get something done in your state in particular. Um, if you know that the Green Party has support where you are, then maybe that's your best choice, even if you like PSL better. That's what I think. Um, I think that there is the ability to, you know, change the narrative uh, for elections in general and do things by voting third party. But it's not like I say, it's not going to be electing a president. <laughs> um, when we I guess when we're talking about third party, we are talking about matching federal funds. Uh, when they get to five percent, the all magical five percent. That's we're, we're all trying to get to that five percent so they can make some money and get some clout. Um, at fifteen percent, candidates can get on the debate stage theoretically. Although I've always thought it'll be like a Tulsi Gabbard situation where they'll That's, just change the rules. Uh, fifteen percent in polling, not in results. Right. Right. Correct. Uh, and thank you for that clarification. 
But yeah, I've always felt like they'll just change it if that ever actually happens. But we'll wait and see. Um, and in that situation, that would be uh, good because the debates have a huge platform. And whoever that person is, and likely it would be Howie Hawkins on that stage in that scenario, uh, that person can make the case in a powerful and articulate way. We've had Howie as a guest on the show before. And uh, whatever you want to say about him, he is very good at making these cases in a powerful and articulate way. Uh, So that would be kind of what you're getting uh, from a third party vote. I also want to say that this these percentages, they don't just matter on the national scale. They matter for your state. Uh, Ballot lines. New Mexico, for instance, uh, 17% of New Mexicans voted for Gary Johnson for president in 2016. And that means that the Libertarian Party is now acknowledged in all races in New Mexico, period. Uh, it, which is kind of funny because it barely exists. And like, <laughs> there's no candidates. But um, technically, if a candidate runs as Libertarian, they show up right on the ballot with everybody else and they get to go to debates within the state and et cetera, et cetera. There have been other um, um, instances there have been other instances of this kind of thing happening in specific states with specific parties. So it's worth noting that, um, you know, like I say, it kind of matters for your state. Do you think that this particular third party has a chance in your state um, more so than do they have a chance on the national scale in some ways? Uh, if we're but talking about if we're talking about the Greens who are basically the only well, we're gonna well, go into the, we're gonna go into the libertarian. I will. I we're will. We're about to go into all the parties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's do that next. Let's do that. Um. So okay. So we'll start with the Libertarian Party. Um. We were just talking about them anyway. Uh. Cool. As you know, we had Vermin Supreme on the show. Um. And uh, I think that it's safe to say that you know a lot of people might take a satisfaction in voting Vermin. But first of all, he's probably not going to be the LP candidate. So let's just be really honest about that. Um. And second of all, you have to kind of think about what party you're empowering by voting for them, like I was saying. And empowering the Libertarian Party could be a bit of a mixed bag. Um, now, obviously, if, if, if Vermin Supreme is at the head of it, then I would say that there's a chance that, you know, we're we're looking at a reshaping of the Libertarian Party into more of a left Libertarian Party. And that, like, you know, maybe there's something there. Uh, if it's one of their just nerds that they love, no. do not even consider it. Please, 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 please. <laughs> please don't vote for Jacob Hornberger. Jacob Hornberger, get the fuck out of here. What an absolute dweeb. Pull up Jacob Hornberger if you've got time and just listen to him talk. He's a complete dork. Uh, he is a black hole of charisma. Nobody should consider supporting him in any way at any time for any reason. Like so, in terms of the there, there's the. But he took the colors of a Mitch McConnell picture and inverted them. <laughs> because the Republic, the Libertarian Party has been running two candidates for the past entirety of of its existence. They've been running like um, insane anarcho capitalists, and then they've been running like boring Republicans, boring Republican lights. Right. And Jacob Hornberger is definitely a boring Republican light with ideas that will never catch on. Like let's abolish the department of education and abolish (laughs) social security. Yeah. Ridiculous, silly stuff. And obviously stuff that you don't want to give power to, uh, you don't want the libertarian party to necessarily get more funding if that's their platform. Right. So libertarian, 
the Libertarian Party will never be less relevant during the age of COVID-19 for obvious reasons. The, the idea of, and this will make some Libertarians who listen to this pissed off at me, I know there's some, you know, whatever. Fucking liberty is so far up the hierarchy of Laszlo's fucking needs. You're talking about your fucking liberty right now um, when the vast majority of people are thinking rent, shelter, food, water. It's such a feat bourgeois nonsense to even talk about your ideally structured society based on liberty and free association right now. That even Go ahead, Rachel, and I'm going to oh, jump no, in I'm right saying, behind you. Literally, I'm just saying. Being a libertarian now makes you an asshole. Like, make, like yep. even any, any person with a conscience right now is thinking, being a libertarian is actually really dumb and bad, and I should yeah. stop doing it. If you're being thinking about- Being a libertarian about, in a moment of nascent fascism is a terrible choice. Now is not the time. It's never the time, but now is especially not the time. So obviously, if Vermin Supreme does end up being the nominee, then there's a chance that the Libertarian Party could start to move more towards ideas of like real mutual aid structures or things like that. Um, but it's not there right now. It's a complete, you know, just muddy pig hole full of idiots for the most part with just a few kind of people on the fringes like Vermin trying to kind of say, hey, there's another way we could do this. And all respect to that. But he's probably not going to be the nominee. And even if he was, voting well, for him is questionable, like I say, because the Libertarian Party is something that at this point is just stupid and untrustworthy. I want to um, make a quick If the nominee is Berman, um, you still shouldn't vote for him because you're, you're giving matching funds to the Libertarian Party. And they'll probably yeah. fucking kick Berman out afterwards i don't know whether oh, Berman yeah. has the political power to Berman definitely has challenges going to come to him he is afterwards. one man with a boot on his head he isn't mounting right. a campaign to revolutionize the party however well he actually kind of is but well, he kind of is but, but but i mean in the i mean in the sense of like he has a grassroots movement of libertarian socialists trying to work the well, libertarian party structure i was just gonna say i was just that's gonna actually say, a thing it's, that's happening yeah well, first of all, that is the thing that's happening a little bit. It's not, it could be a lot bigger, but I was going to say this kind of ropes or, you know, comes back around to something we've been saying this whole time. <clears throat> if you want the Vermin Supreme takeover of the Libertarian Party to work, then you need to not just vote for Vermin. You need to organize within the Libertarian Party. Like if you Which want really the Libertarian kind of Party stuck. to be different, you got to go do that. And honestly, like, your state's Libertarian Party chapter in most states is probably like seven people. So it's if probably a fucking two, bridge club. Basically. So if you and two friends show up, you could just take over. All right. It could be yours. So is, keep, keep that this in is mind. Not, this is not denouncing Vermin. I listened to the interview with him. He seems like an okay guy. Uh, he seems chill. So like, I, I, I'm not like telling you guys, say, fuck this guy. I'm just saying the institution of the Libertarian Party is not exactly a trustworthy institution. Yes. And moving on to another institution that might seem to have some appeal on the surface, but also is a little bit questionable. Let's talk about the Green Party next. What? Um, the, The Green Party, if you have listened to this show, you already know a little bit about. We had a bit of an arc with them. Yeah. <laughs> you already know a little bit about the issues with the Green Party, um, their disorganization, and also, to put it bluntly, corruption that exists um, in some of the chapters and various 
sects of the party, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, you know, it, this is a tough one because the Green Party ideologically makes a lot of sense to a lot of people right now. And I get that. And if you just take it at face value, ideologically, the Green Party makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and Howie Hawkins, we've had him on the show. He's a great guy. Um, he's a I real activist and organizer. He's legit. He's been doing this forever. Um, it's, it's not his fault that there's corruption in the party that's pushing him maybe to the top of the list. It doesn't make him a bad person. Uh, he, just, he was pushed to run by a clique of people within the Green Party that represent kind of corruption and wanting to run the Green Party a certain way. It's just messy. It's just very messy. Um, but Howie's a great guy. He's a he's a real activist and organizer. And if you just ask me to pick a candidate that speaks to me, I might say Howie right now. But the Green Party is very messy. And so you gotta, if you're gonna vote Green, you need to go into this eyes open. I see way too many people right now who are kind of like, well, the Green Party is are these sweet old eco-socialists yeah, and right. you know it's all good i can just you know they might not be very serious but at least if i throw in with them shit I sucks more than you it. think it does is my yes. last right yes well and like george is a really good example of a place that you absolutely should not vote for the green party the green party in georgia literally released a statement saying they consider biological sex to be the determinant of gender like oh cool fun there's a whole fucking openly overtly like transphobic thing where they said like woman is something that happens to you like you're diagnosed with it at birth or whatever and then you're just stuck that way forever basically you were a d diagnosed woman yes exactly <laughs> to, to be fair it seems like you could just go into the georgia green party with like you and like three other people and just take over I was I gonna mean, say this is kind of I the same as the Libertarian Party in some ways, in that uh, if you're gonna vote Green, you need to also organize. Once again, these parties are small; they're understaffed, and right now there's, in general, a lot of knuckleheads running them. And like you and some friends could go in there and just take over because, like I you're say, really your state's Green Party, Libertarian Party, etc., is under a dozen people almost guaranteed unless you live in like new hampshire or some shit um so or california for the greens you know california has a pretty big green thing going on but like if you live in fucking iowa the green party is like two people get it, go go take it over it's yours now <laughs> um, yeah i actually think um i think maybe going green in california would be pretty safe considering that it's a blue state anyway um but again i think that You've been, um, you've all been speaking about party of organizing. I think the Green Party of California is one that's especially like organized and actually a presence, and they have like a few local elected offices. Yeah, so you know that's one to actually like get involved with something that's already happening a little bit, yeah. help it grow. You know, it's a cool thing. But again, you got to go in with eyes open, and you gotta you gotta be willing. If you really care about these third parties, you gotta be willing to do more than just cast the vote because they are too small and they need more help than that. You gotta be willing to throw ten bucks, do some volunteering, blah blah. Like I think you know, that there is. I think there is an exception to what you're talking about, and we're going to talk about it next, and I'm very excited to talk about it. Okay, <laughs> yeah, all right. The, there's one more party we should discuss. Oh, man. 
Um, it's, so, it's so funny that everybody's like calling me a shitload for my Biden takes in their heads. But like, I'm also very positive about the PSL because they, unlike the Green Party, are not an electoral party. They are not a, a group of people that goes to sleep uh, between these every four years. They, uh, the PSL is an actual socialist party that is doing actual socialism. Um, they are organized very well. Um, you do not need to go in there and organize the PSL because the PSL is full of people. It's a small party, but they are full of people who understand um, the framework of societal change, to put it in a palatable way. And they are PSL is the working. organization that captures all of the black pilled Marxists. Correct. So um, take, take the, the PSL is a band of strange red brown alliance tankoid weirdos, and if that's the kind of people that you think I deserve so strongly your vote, disagree with that. Honestly, PSL does some really good shit. They are fucking. I didn't awesome. say they don't. I didn't say. Like, they don't. I guess I feel defensive because I'm used to people calling them weirdos in bad faith. But I'll let they you. Are, they are weirdos, but they also do good stuff. Mm-hmm. And you have Later to admit ahead. they are they are pretty tankoid at times. Um, while we're talking about cons, yes, they are a party that uh, defends um, almost any international action as long as it is anti-American, um, which is not good. Although, if I say that on Twitter, I'll have like I'll get ratioed. But you know, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, there's always tankies out there ready to be mad at us for these takes, but we're going to keep giving them every time it comes up. Uh, I mean, the the thing with the PSL, the thing with the PSL, the thing with the PSL for me is that because they're so far away from uh, matching funds, they got 0.05% of the vote last, uh, last cycle. So the PSL is so far away from my vote for them mattering that it doesn't i i don't really Let's care but i but I'm i mean gonna... like i'm in a state where i don't want to give the libertarians anything as for reasons that we've already said the green party is nowhere near five percent in my uh, in texas so it, all that doesn't matter so i'm left with choices that my vote functionally doesn't matter and it's entirely a entirely a symbolic thing and when faced, I guess the question is, do I vote PSL or do I write in El Chapo? Listen, Gloria Lariva is electable if you fucking vote for her. Uh. Oh. <laughs> God damn it, Brandon. It's time. Uh, it's, time. it's time for a yeah. woman in the White House. It's time for a woman in the White House. So <laughs> that might be an episode title. <laughs> but yeah, uh. Uh, people will find it kind of absurd that I'm 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 speaking that, but I think that if you're going to vote third party, um, the party for socialism and liberation should you should give it an extremely close look. Um, they, I mean, they do organizing, they do real shit, uh, at least in our city. Yeah, uh, well, we and obviously that, don't agree with most, all their politics. The thing that's know. most important about PSL and the organizing they do is that they are a revolutionary. Van- party which means they are deeply invested in creating structures that can exist outside of capitalism and in that capacity they are incredible to work with correct and the green party does not have that mental framework so if you've been on twitter posting about a people's revolution um the green party uh is advocates for many of the causes that you like but the green party is not remotely on that wavelength with you yeah way more electoral uh, if you actually if you want a people's revolution you might want to look at the psl <laughs> and honestly i think it might be about time to start thinking outside of electoral 
Yeah, like, we'll get to that at the end that's of the episode. Main, that's our main uh, event fight of the night. Wait for it. <laughs> but uh, uh, to just kind of finish off about the PSL, I do want to say that although they neither of them have a hundred percent good takes all the time, who does? Am I right? Come on, let's just be real. Uh, both Gloria Lariva and Leonard Peltier are incredible activists who have a long history of making change. And, uh, you know, I I don't like a lot of the tankiness and things like that that I see in the PSL, but I do have some respect for these people. These these people are the real deal. Um, and, uh, you know, they've done a lot more than most people could even hope to have to, to claim to have done. So, yeah. No, That's, they're yeah. they're competent and they have good, generally good motivations. You know, I've never met a person in PSL who was not there because they were genuinely trying to bring people out of suffering and despair. Absolutely. Mm. Um, so I think we can all agree that the three parties that we've discussed all have pros and cons. But yeah, you know, there's there's reasons why you might decide to choose one of these three parties to vote for. And now hopefully you can kind of go into it a little bit more. Like I said before, with your eyes open, like you got to be realistic about what these parties are offering. They're all offering you problems, but they're also all offering you a chance to have your your ideas and ideological uh, political beliefs kind of more accurately represented. And again, this isn't necessarily going to be at the level of actually electing someone president. But if you can grow one of these parties, if you could have a green council member in your city council, if you could have a PSL person in your state house, um, you know, it would make a difference. Uh, we know, like we've seen so many times that just one radical voice speaking for the people can change the way politics is viewed. And, uh, you know, so, but you got to be willing to do that organizing also. And so on that subject, uh, let's talk about some more organizing. Um, first, this one will be very fast. This is just a quick reminder that there are other elections happening besides you know, president, like that's not the only thing that's going on. Um, if you listen to this show a lot, you've heard from a lot of progressive congressional candidates. If you're looking for energy to put somewhere that isn't Bernie Sanders because he's out now, uh, put that energy into one of those candidates. It will be magnified hundreds of times compared to what you were able to do helping Bernie to help one of these small progressive candidates. Um, there's so many of them out there. There's one in your state, almost without a doubt, running for something. Um, find them, help them. One person can help a candidate like this so much. And we also like have these people on all the time and all of them are doing remote phone banking. You can literally, like, if you listen to the Lauren Ashcraft episode, you can go volunteer for Lauren Ashcraft. Listen, those people are going to have a national sway over the discourse. Like, if I had to bet my life on any guest, and I wouldn't want to, but if I had to bet my life on any guest of our show being elected to Congress, I'd probably bet on Rebecca Parson. Um, and that's someone who's going to have a national profile, should they be elected. Um, and that's something that you, from your house, have the ability to move voters just with your time. Um, and that that stuff should be considered. Absolutely. I want every single one of our candidates to win, though. I'd like I'd like like six of them, all to, of win. them to win. Of course. Yes, obviously. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Another thing I'll say is that 2022 elections are right around the corner. And like I said, if you have districts where you know somebody's going to be running unopposed, some 
you know, blue dog shit lib or some conservative fucking fuckwad that just loves, you know, murdering anyone who isn't a white Christian cishet, you know, then like start planning to run someone against them in 2022, <laughs> you know, start making these plans. Um, you can go out there in your community. You do not have to run for office. I know a lot of people are going to listen to this thing. Well, I don't want to run for office. You don't have to, but you can go out there and form a group of people to basically form like an informal action committee and say, okay, we all know we want someone to run for blank, you know, for yes. city council or whatever. Let's find that person that matches our values. First, we'll, we'll figure out what are our core values that we want to this campaign to have, and then we'll find a person that matches those values. And this is how a lot of the candidates on this show that we've talked to have gotten into running. Their communities nominated them, in effect. And when you that's have people like is. that, correct, uh, when you have people like that, that's a way better candidate than somebody who like decided to run most of the time, you know? <laughs> Just straight up, period. Or with apologies to Nabila, who we love, or was just recruited by a DNC headhunter and was like, you should run, it'd be good. Like, it would be better for you to just be someone who's from the community and, and people are just like, yes, this person. Yeah, I feel like we got kind of lucky with Nabila. We did get extremely lucky <laughs> with Nabila. Uh, that was a winning lottery ticket for sure. Um, it really was. <laughs> He's great. So, yeah. Um, now, but the... you and four friends can have an extreme impact on a local election if you're really dedicated to it. Yeah. Yes, you and four friends can get somebody elected to a local office around you that matters and affects your life. Period. The second the second part of my, you know, end game political goal of being a militia in, in New Mexico is that we seize control of a local towns like city council and elect all of us to it. That's that's the other part of it. And we pass dumb uh resolutions and ban cars or something. I mean, fuck it. Incorporate your area. Start a city council. Who gives a shit? Like, yeah, who who does? Who none does? of these rules are real, is what I've realized. Like, not just like the election, but like the fact that society is like just falling apart nakedly around us. None of these rules are real. They're all made up. Go into your community. Do some good. Help some people. Make sure everybody has a place to sleep. Make sure everybody has food. Make sure everybody has medicine. Beyond that, who gives a fuck? It's pure ideology. Yeah. As Zizek would say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk. Uh, I guess we're already in this subject. So does anybody want to say specifically, thinking outside electoralism, what should we be doing? Uh, you should be doing mutual aid work. You should be doing tenant organizing. You should be doing labor organizing. And you should be figuring out where you can plug in for direct actions. You should figure out what organizations in your area are already doing these kinds of do not reinvent the wheel right now. Go find people who have been doing it in your area, ask how you can help, and be there to learn. That's what you can do. Yeah, always, always investigate your local organizations deeply before you even think about starting one because there's almost always a couple of people crammed into some tiny stuffy office already working on this thing you're passionate about. And the last thing they need is a competing organization trying to do the same thing and competing for the same, like, literally just, like, tens of dollars that are available. <laughs> but you make a really good point, you know? If you really care about the issues and not just your own ego, 
Don't try to start your own thing. Figure out who's already doing it. They already exist. Unless or, you live in like Mississippi. Yeah, I was going to say, okay, if you live in like small, some small town in Mississippi, maybe you will have to be the one. But investigate first. Like, try to find some other people already interested. Maybe they don't even have a formal organization yet, but you can probably at least find some people that are already interested in this topic that have maybe been organizing protests informally or something like that. And, and come to them and say, let's let's make this more serious. I, I want to help you guys do that. I want to be a part of making this into like a more serious movement or whatever. Um, they're going to love having someone passionate come on board, most likely, you know, like they're going to be they're going to be thrilled because they everybody needs help. And even if you're not in the position to jump in and do hundreds of hours of work per month, every single organization has work that's not getting done every month. And if you can volunteer two hours a month, it makes all the difference in some cases. You would be amazed how much of this job boils down to phone banking, and you can do that from anywhere. That's yeah, very well. I would, I'd like if to say, like, help. yeah, in my experience so far, I've been helping out with a lot of uh, field workers, um, field workers and, and their families around um, Southern California. And I can tell you right now, there's no shortage of people who are willing to help out. It's just a matter of getting them organized and having some some kind of structure to set up um, to set up direct action and mutual aid. So you're bound to find people. It's just a matter of getting out there and helping out, really. And this is like some deep cut nerd shit, but um, Metro Atlanta DSA is actually working on sort of a program for how to mobilize uh, in your neighborhoods. Uh, and we're putting together documentation and shit on it. It's based on a lot of stuff that came before us, so it's not like we're just coming up with that whole cloth and I can send that to literally anybody who asks me for it. So and we'll be promoting that on the show Twitter and stuff like that, of course. So if you mm -hmm. follow us there, you will know when this comes out. So um I I, I do I guess I want to give my own takes on on organizing. And this is going to be kind of unconventional and everybody's not gonna like it. I said I'd piss everybody off today. Um you should uh make and save cash uh in your house and with your relatives. So if you have a job, uh, find ways to cut your expenses. If you don't have a job, find ways to work with other people uh, to do things that will make you and your friends uh, actual money. If you can't make money for whatever you're doing, find a way to make yourself visible in your community um, so that people know you and are willing to help you in the case of an emergency. Um, I Odds are that if you start a GoFundMe, who's going to donate to the GoFundMe? If you can't think of anybody, then you need to expand your social circle. Um, whether that's you talking to people or doing a podcast, everyone on Twitter seems to sneer at the idea of doing uh, things that give you individually publicity. Um, your life may depend on the amount of publicity that you have and the amount of people that know you and the amount that you help them. And the ways that you help that person can be emotional and can be things that do not require a lot of time or money. Think about that. Uh, you should also work to build your social network in terms of uh, people who can physically reach you in the case of an emergency. Um, if you join an ideological organization that's cool, your workplace is not going to be, for most people, unless you're like in a union or something like that, your your job is not going to have like five people that can help you in the case of an emergency. If you don't know five people that can help you in the case of an emergency, you need to join an ideological organization of people that will help you in the case of an emergency. So um, you may not like DSA, but if there's a DSA chapter that's in your area, you should consider joining. If there's a organization like the PSL and you have the money to pay for PSL membership, you should join. Um, if there is a gun club or rifle association, whatever, 
uh, if you have a polycule, expand your polycule in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> because... Oh, that's another good episode title. Expand your polycule in 2020. Think about what you individually will do if shit hits the fan. Um, I'm not talking about shit like buying and owning a gun. Although, like, if you own a gun and you can use one, that's cool. But in the case of an actual genuine uh, society rocking emergency, your best security will not be your ability to own a gun. It will be uh, six people that will come to your house. That's it. So uh, the most important thing that you can do over the summer, uh, get six people that will come to your house in the case of shit hitting the fan. For, form uh, well, a six in person. Times you, in good times, you can smoke weed with them. In bad times, you can not die with them. Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> there are people you can share food with if you both garden. You know, there are people who could give you a ride somewhere if you need it. There are people who, like, just are emotionally invested in whether you live or die. Those I people. Agree with them. I'm really glad that Brandon, you got onto this subject because I did one of the things I wanted to say about organizing too was like basically just talk to your neighbors. It doesn't always necessarily have to be your literal physical neighbors, but you might start with them. Um, you don't have to. You don't even have to talk to them. L look, check it out because we are doing organizing in DSA. Make go 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 to your printer. Make you can use Canva or Photoshop or whatever. Uh, just make a small flyer or something the size of a postcard. Print that shit out and put it in people's doors. Say, hey, I'm so-and-so. I'm doing a neighborhood watch or a neighborhood organization. Don't use revolutionary phrasing. Don't say I'm making a neighborhood block and I'm a member of the PSL or any of that kind of left-wing shit. Because you don't know your neighbor's politics. Say you're making a neighborhood watch organization or a community organization. Um, and just say you want to check in on people and see how they're doing in the time of the virus. Maybe like five people call you back. And then you talk to them about how they're doing how their family's doing, what their skills are, and what their needs are. And that is all you need is a printer, and you don't even have to talk to people face-to-face -face at the door. Just tell them to email you or text you or some shit like that. Whatever form of communication you are used to, just fucking do it. And you can just put something in the door and walk away. It's no big deal. You don't have to worry about getting epically owned. Nobody's going to tape you. It's no big deal. You can set up, like, a Google phone. What the fuck is that called? Google voice. Google voice. Thank you. You can set up a Google voice uh, so that nobody actually has your real number. Like, there's so many things you can do to make it so easy and like completely risk free to just reach out. I'm so and, glad that you mentioned that. Yeah. 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 There are so many ways. And honestly, like, if you're on Twitter, can send an email and you want to reach out to me specifically, like, I will help you figure out how to get involved. Um, and you know, this Likewise. is like you can start yeah. basically setting up mutual aid networks in so many parts of your life. You could also do this at work. You know, you could kind of reach out to everybody at work and say, you know, hey, how are you doing? Do you want to start some kind of like, don't say union, don't say that right away, <laughs> don't say that till you're serious. Right. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, do you want to start some kind of, uh, you know, workers club where we could get together, some of us, and you know, help each other with some of our various issues and stuff? And like, you, if, if you just like put a little time in this, you could have, you know, spreadsheets that everyone in your community has access to. And if something, if shit really hits the fan in some way, then like you already know which neighbors to call and who's going to be bringing over what and everything. It's like Brandon's saying basically, but I'm just saying like, you know, I just want to reinforce like how important this is that like, if you really want to see political change, build a mutual aid network. <laughs> And mm -hmm. yeah, I, I've been kind of disdainful of like, revolution, barring historical circumstances. And look, history is changing every day. Nobody would have pre pre predicted this shit with the virus six months ago, right? So mm -hmm. none of us knows what's going to happen from now. Things could get better. 
things could get worse. Um, but it's important to know, number one, incels don't survive apocalypses. They just don't. Like five people come to your house and just take your shit. It'll be medieval <laughs> times. So in the worst case scenario, don't be that guy. Uh, this is reminding, it's reminding me of um, on the Super Tuesday stream when I was just obliterated on fucking alcohol. And at the last moment before the stream was, uh, before we were going to end the stream because no news was coming in and everything was sucked, you know, I just, we just started singing Solidarity Forever. And none of us were really good at it, but it comforted me in my drunk haze. I remember talking to you that night and uh, sort of broadly telling you, like, I know this is your first time. I know this is really hard. Like, we are not going to let you fall. It's going to be okay. And that is the kind of movement we're trying to build here at the end of the day. Like, all of the other bullshit aside, like, we do the irony thing sometimes for the sake of being funny, but, like, truly, that is the kind of movement we need to be building, is the one that is based on kindness and support for people who need us, regardless of, like, other bullshit in the way. We have to be the party we want to have. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I, I get yeah. what you mean. We need, we need to live these values and get people to come with us we can't yeah. force it on other people yeah be a good neighbor yeah exactly people will come join together and join you when you give them like safety and security and support and it's just like the natural thing we do well we hope that we've given you today the listener a little extra safety or security or support in some small way by yeah. trying to help you make a, a what for for what is many for for what is for many people uh going to be kind of a difficult decision or series of decisions about what to do next in the wake of a rather difficult and disappointing political loss and you know it's too bad that things couldn't have gone another way but we can't go back we have to move forward yeah. and we can move forward together we can be better to each other we can form stronger bonds and stronger communities and we can continue to do better every day in every way that we can so that eventually we do win and we win big that's my yeah. hope it sure would be a shame if people created the structures they needed to survive with or without the government and took their power back yeah. I think that later on we should do an episode, and I, we probably will, about lessons from the Sanders campaign. And we will talk about the political. I haven't been blackpilled on electoralism because I think Bernie left a lot of meat on the table. And I think that we can talk about that at a later time. Uh, but I would just say, hey, if you're if you're still like thinking about what your future is, don't completely lose hope. This is like for a lot of y'all are like 1920, like this is your first time getting your ass beat. Um, we're down here in Georgia, we just get our ass beat all the time. We're like the Cleveland Browns of electoral politics. That's literally we're just we're the Washington generals. Like our <laughs> world, Oh god, I was raised in a Browns household. Oh yeah, oh god. Uh, <laughs> I was Listen, I was raised by twice. my school. Yeah. Constant. My girl knows all about fucking losing. Yeah. So welcome to the party. You lose a lot. Free Reagan, the Republicans did nothing but lose. You lose and lose and lose, and then you win. So that can might not be electorally. It might be something else. But the win will come because that's just how life and politics move. Be prepared when the opportunity arises that you can seize that win and do the most possible with it. And y'all, this is an opportunity now. There are going to be people who are falling. 
We don't let anybody hit the ground. That's correct. Yeah. Well said. And this so is an opportunity me. for me to say that this has been not safe for wonks. And we appreciate you listening so much as always. Mm. If you don't follow the show on Twitter, it is at NSF wonks. And we're always tweeting dumb shit. I mean, good shit. Uh, so you, <laughs> you should definitely come on over there and see what we're up to. Um, and also the Twitter is a great way to get in touch. If you want to seriously take us up on our perennial offer to help you get involved with organizing. If you are struggling to get that foot through the door initially, uh, you know, send us a DM and we will point you towards some resources and give you a hand. We really mean also that. also routinely post butt, I'm just saying. That's a thing I that believe happens. everyone should be horny uh, on. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, strategy. Uh, we are, have a Patreon. It is patreon.com slash not safe. We know a lot of you are financially struggling right now. We do not want you to feel guilty if you cannot scrape together a dollar to send us. But if you can, if you are working from home and doing okay, and you want to do something to help the show out and, you know, kind of make it possible for us to continue doing this and to expand it, then it really makes a big difference. We are completely independent media and we are funded, if not by you, then just with whatever we can scrounge up. <laughs> That's correct. And we want to quickly thank our Patreon donors, Alex, Andrew, Ann, Reed, Charlie Madison Winners, Ed Barnacles, Jen Cannon, Lau. Hey, Lau's right here. Pat Poole, uh, Circa, Zan. You guys are great. And it expands. The work continues. And you guys have a very big role in allowing us to stay afloat. I love you. All right. Thank yeah. you so much. We'll see, see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.